Welcome to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. Bring balance to your life by addressing matters of the mind, body, and soul. Listen now on Anchor and all podcast platforms. To bring the virtual balance with your host Kat and Gabby. I'm Kat and I'm Gabby. Hello everyone. Today we are joined by our amazing panel for our second episode which consists of Sarah Redfield, College Prevention Coordinator at Baruch College, Elise, Coordinator of the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College, our friend from USG Yamu Lee, Vice President of Student Affairs for the Undergraduate Student Government. And we also have some Ask the Expert responses from Dr. Lynn Kaplan, Associate Director of the Baruch College Counseling Center, and Physician's Assistant Linda Jean-Baptiste from the Baruch College Healthcare Center. And today's topic is a super important one called You Snooze, You Win, where we talk about us and our panelists will be discussing the impacts of sleeping habits on the body with respect to mental health, physical health, and substance misuse. So let's begin with our first topic for the panel. So we're going to be talking about um, sleep hygiene. So according to um, Linda, sleep hygiene is the development and maintenance of healthy sleep habits in a consistent manner. It includes optimizing your sleep schedule, your pre-sleep routine, your diet and daily routines, and avoiding or using minimally healthy sleep aids. Uh, For typical college students, we need to create a pleasant sleep environment that will invite the mind and the body to relax and close off. So we need to be aware of different barriers. You know, if we have to stay up late for a project or stay up late for an exam, which I know I definitely have, um, we have to keep that in mind and how it affects our different sleep um, patterns and also our sleep hygiene in general. So some tips for good sleep hygiene are to definitely prioritize your sleep. Try to, you know, not take too many naps during the day, which I know for me, I do need to work on that as well, because sometimes the power naps are really great. Um, Definitely keep your routine consistent. So if you know that by 10 p.m. you are out like a light, definitely kind of start winding down around 9.30, 9.45, and kind of um, keep that consistency as well. Um... Definitely unplug from your electronics, so try to kind of minimize the phone use as you're kind of slowing down. Um, And then also definitely try to stay in one spot, which is one thing that we'll be kind of speaking about as well. Try not to toss and turn at night, which is also incredibly difficult. Um, Keeping with these tips and also more can definitely help with our sleep hygiene as well. And so the buzzer question is kind of how does sleep hygiene affect different areas of your life? So the first one is going to be on mental health. Uh, It's important to define what mental health means and how that relates to sleep hygiene. So mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act, and it impacts how we react to stress, relate to others, and make choices. So having a strong mental health is important to every stage of life. But when we apply it to sleep hygiene, we need to consider what happens if we don't get a lot of sleep for a few nights. And for me, that means that I am very irritable. (laughs) Um, I think lack of sleep and being exhausted impacts your daily functioning even into the next day. 
You can see how lack of sleep can impact the parts of your mental health. You might feel more irritable, which can impact your relationships, or you might feel anxious, frustrated, start to feel overwhelmed, or have a harder time coping with minor stresses. And you can see sleep hygiene have a big impact on mental health. So speaking of that, we also talk about what is the ideal sleep, right? What is the quality sleep and what does that exactly entail? So according to the National Sleep Foundation, they published key indicators of good sleep quality by extracting data from experts and also doing focus groups as well. Um, if you sleep more while in bed, so about 85% of your total sleep time, um, that's definitely one of the key qualities for um, a good night's sleep. Falling asleep within 30 minutes or less and waking up no more than once per night. Um, so according to their sleep health index, 27% uh, of people take longer than 30 minutes to fall asleep, which can be from a variety of factors, which we'll um, kind of expand on in this conversation. It can be with devices, it can be with substances, our mental health, and more. Um, in general, the American population suffers from poor quality sleep, and in particularly um, college students more than any other um, population. Which is kind of unsurprising seeing that, you know, we always have something going on that's more important than sleep, or at least we think so. So some of the common issues, as Gabby touched on, are connected to mental health, our dreaming, substance use, and more. So I'm going to discuss the least. Uh, is an individual more likely to experience sleep issues if they already have experience seeing mental health complications? <laughs> so your question is if people are more likely to experience sleep orders if they have a pre-existing mental health condition. So um, I just want to refer um, to my notes. Um, usually, um, if an individual has insomnia or has uh, problems falling uh, asleep, it's, it could be interrelated with um, their mental health because um, based on what uh, sleep.org uh, states, it states that sleep and mental health are closely connected. Uh, sleep deprivation affects your psychological states and your mental health. So those with mental health problems are more likely to have insomnia or other sleep disorders. Um, the question is, how would you define mental health? Because um, it's uh, normal for individuals to experience um, anxiety and to experience depression, especially in this new norm that we're living in, which is why it's very important to uh, have a meditation practice, have a yoga practice that will balance your mind, your body, and your soul. So, in fact, you could be able to not have the, the stress hormones altered in your body because if the brain chemistry in your body is altered, which usually results from not being able to have the amount of sleep that is required, then you're not going to be at your best cognitive as well as best physical behavior. A lot of people think, oh, well, I can make up my sleep, right? I can like uh, get 
like uh, if I only have two hours of sleep today, then I can make up for it by getting seven hours of sleep tomorrow, right? Wrong. This doesn't help. I know this because I myself have experimented on it and it does not work. Um, our body needs to reset. Uh, when you're in college, when you're younger, you feel that, oh, you can go about doing it. I know that when I was an undergrad, I there were days when I didn't sleep for two, two days, three days. I just, you know, did an overnighter, and then I showered, then I went to class. Of course, I felt numb, but I felt that, you know, let me just have coffee, or let me just, like, have, like, Reese's Pieces, bad, double bad, because that's, you know, toxins that we're putting in our body. It's not altering our um, brain chemistry. In fact, it's inundating our body with sugar and we're going to crash. So sleep is super important to be able to maintain our brain chemistry and uh, reduce uh, the risks of further anxiety and further depression. Yeah, and I think I really, I really appreciate your allusion to how that might assist in physical practices of relaxation. So I do want to note that Lynn also uh, added a resource, uh, and you can check out some of the relaxation exercises nightly on the Baruch College Counseling Center website under the resource section. And she also advised maybe downloading the free Insight Timer app to your phone, and you can do a short guided meditation nightly before bed. So one piece that, um, Elise, that you mentioned was age, right? So age, especially for younger folks, you know, we may think that we can last that extra hour, two hours while working on that project and we'll be fine, you know, waking up at 8 a.m. Nope, not it. Um, so does age affect sleep? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, so a piece that Linda mentions was, you know, sleep is, is a brain activity in which neurotransmitters coordinate together to manage the five different stages of sleep. So stages one through four and then REM, which is like that deep sleep. Um, at younger ages, humans need more time for sleep because of overall growth and development. So a college student may be productive with seven hours of sleep as opposed to someone else who may need nine um, to be productive. So Definitely. <laughs> um, so college students, uh, we, we need to think of the following when we're when we're deciding about the duration of sleep and how many hours do you think you would need. So the first is, do you have any coexisting health issues? So speaking, you know, before to mental health, physical health as well. Um, are you going any are you undergoing any intense medical treatment? Do you perform high levels of physical activity? So definitely for our student athletes, they may need more because their bodies are, you know, because we're, we're burning those calories and we're burning, you know, so many things at one time. We need to, we need to get those back, right? Um, are you working in a job that requires a high degree of alertness, of, of um, concentration? Definitely if you're, you know, a CIS student or you're thinking about coding, your brain needs to be able to, to, to decipher those codes. And if you're running on an hour of sleep, your brain's just going to just constantly, you know, going to be going back and forth um, to sleep. Do you have a history of sleeping problems? Maybe it's difficult. Maybe you do suffer from insomnia or things like that. And definitely this last piece, do you depend on caffeine to get you through the day? 
I definitely do. I cannot survive without my 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 tea or like my coffee. So definitely, if we go through um, those different, if we ask ourselves these different questions, um, it'll help us uh, think whether or not we need seven, eight, or nine um, hours of sleep. And some other yeah. tips. Oh yeah. No, oh, sorry. Go go go. Go ahead. No, go ahead and say like I think that's a super important to acknowledge because I know for me. That started to happen a lot when I started setting boundaries with my sleep. So a lot of my teammates will tell you, Kat's first thing when we met her is, I don't work after 7 p.m. Because I know for me, bedtime starts at 9. So I need to have that buffer of like when I'm doing homework assignments to what time I need to go to bed. And so they're like, who's asleep? at seven who starts preparing to go to bed at seven and like for me that's what works for me because i need to be in bed at a certain time to get that certain amount of hours of sleep to be a productive and friendly person the next day <laughs> yeah for sure can i just um interject mm -hmm. i have to say kat that is very admirable because um usually um i'm coming home at 9 p.m so if you're fortunate enough to have a schedule which allows you to do that, then you are blessed. But, you know, New York City, the New York City lifestyle isn't always conducive to promoting uh, proper sleep habits. So you have to figure out within yourself, within your schedule, how to prioritize your sleep and what you can cut down on and uh, what you can focus on to make sure that your body's fully rested and fully reset. Personally, I, I'm a night owl. I, I, I love, you know, the moon and I'm most creative between the hours of 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, even when I try to sleep, I get these thoughts and then I have uh, my, my journal next to me and I jot them down and I'm most creative and then I actually sleep better knowing that I wrote something and I did something. Now, um, before COVID, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. So I used to go to bed at one around 1-ish and wake up at 5 a.m.-ish and that wasn't conducive to sleep. I couldn't take naps. So I would have to say that the one good thing which has happened from this new norm is that my sleep routine has uh, improved because there's nothing really going on after 9 p.m. that will inhibit me from maintaining my sleep routine. So now the challenge is when we get back to the norm, which we are, because this is just a phase that we're going through in life. How are we going to make sure and ensure that sleep is a priority? So that's the question that I'm asking myself. And, you know, people have to ask themselves also. And sorry for talking too much, but I wanted to just share. No, no, don't worry about it. And and I think it's it's important. And definitely if Sarah or, or Yami, if you want to talk about this piece as well, um, it's, it's super important. So, yeah. Any of you would like to contribute? If not, <laughs> sounds good. Um, so yeah, definitely um, what should people do if maybe they are sleeping, but maybe they're not consistently, right? So let's say, for example, like I'm sleeping the full seven hours, but I wake up three times in a night. And I know for me, like it's it, even if you it's it's so like it's so sad when you when you wake up from like a really good sleep and you have really trouble tossing and turning and you're just kind of fed up at the end. So what should folks do? And that's actually a term that Linda uh, mentions here and it's called 
sleep deprivation. So sleep deprivation refers to getting less than the recommended amount of sleep by age range. So in sleep medicine, sleep deprivation is defined based on time. Uh, feeling well rested is, is much more than the measurement of time, right? So sleep deficiency or sleep insufficiency are the different factors that can reduce the quantity or quality of sleep and can keep uh, a person from waking up refreshed. So when you're not fully sleep deprived, sleep deprived, excuse me, but you are noticing that you are having some sort of deficiency, um, consider your sleep hygiene routine. So kind of similar to Kat's uh, with her boundaries, think if maybe you should continue to stick with that boundary or maybe even make it even earlier. Like if you, let's say seven is still maybe not that adequate for you, maybe do it at 6.30 or six and try to work with yourself. Um, definitely, you know, even changing your physical space as well. Like I know there's one pillow that I know that if I use that pillow, I will knock out. So consider, you know, consider changing your mattress, changing your pillows, um, trying, you know, relaxation techniques. I know some folks use like aromatherapy, like certain scents. I know lavender can help with sleep and calmness and relaxation. Um, consider medical and mental health factors. So certainly, um, if you have anxiety or if you have other um, certain mental health uh, that prevents you from sleeping, consider that as well and maybe also seek out medical care for that too. Yes, because I know for me, one of the things that I learned on this sleep journey is that for me, slept, sleeping took patience. Um, just because I might not be working after seven o'clock and I'd like to be at bed at nine doesn't necessarily mean the moment nine o'clock hits, my brain's going to be like, yeah, that's it for us tonight. So it kind of looks at like me maybe going to bed at like 8.30 and then I know I'm still guilty of this, but I, I watch TV before bed. The, the, I, I need to do that. That's just for me. It doesn't affect my conscious sleep, I guess. So that's what I do. But I know that, okay, I need to start prepping for this time. That way I'm somewhat mellowed out before bed. And then if I need to get up, do a light stretch, and then get back into bed, that's what I can do. But at least I'm giving myself that buffer of time to prep. So our next question is, um, do you suggest sleeping aids? And if so, what kind? So Linda did give us a response for this. And she said the best advice for those considering using sleeping aids which you can get in two forms, over-the-counter and prescribed. Um, just for getting aid in sleep or maintaining your sleep is to first try a non-medical approach, such as CBT or cognitive behavioral treatment or therapy, relaxation exercises like yoga, mindful meditation techniques, and keeping consistent with your sleep hygiene routine. And that's all before buying an over-the-counter aid. Um, before you do buy an OTC, you're going to want to consult with your doctor or pharmacist because not all sleeping aids fit everyone. And, you know, you might be allergic to some or there are herbal teas and herbs that you might have or lotions or perfumes. So you still want to discuss it with a doctor or a pharmacist just to make sure this is something that's going to be right for you. Um, and then once OTC sleeping aids do not work after consistent usage for one to three months, you should seek prescribed sleeping aids from a doctor. Uh, she also said that you should note sleeping aids should not be used indefinitely or daily because it's best to try to get your body to naturally get itself to sleep. And you want to avoid the ability to build a tolerance or 
even create a possible addiction to prescribing sleeping aids. So with that, um, we're definitely going to talk about substance uh, use and sleep. So our my question is for Sarah. Um, how does the use of substances and alcohol affect your sleep? Well, thank you for having me. Um, so I just want to preface this all by saying, you know, I'm not a doctor by any means, but um, I have been in the field for, I, oh my God, I guess it's going on 10 years now, um, working with people who... Um, have substance use or misuse issues. Um, but overall, you know, substances are affecting our sleep in a negative way. Uh, if we're looking at the big picture, um, of course, you know, there are substances that help people sleep and those can be, you know, very helpful for people. But again, you want to seek medical, um, advice about that. Uh, but if we're looking at the nitty gritty of it, you know, if, somebody's having a glass of wine before bed or a beer before bed because it helps them sleep. Um, yes, it may help them acutely go to bed uh, because it's helped, it's a depressant. So it's going to, you know, suppress our brain um, and, you know, our breathing and we're going to calm down. Uh, but long-term it is not a solution for people to help with their sleep. It's, it's just going to, you know, increased tolerance so then they'll have to drink more and more and more and then you know that'll start probably down a pathway of you know overusing or misuse um and then speaking about cannabis that's just a whole other ball game first and foremost there's not a lot of research on cannabis um but there are some studies out there that show that um cbd can help with sleep but again that's acute Long term, it is just, it's not a, a viable solution. And do you think that the lack of sleep, like let's say, for example, um, if someone's using, um, you know, kind of like those over the counters that can help you stay awake for a long time and they don't receive that lack of sleep, do you think that, that the lack of sleep tends to feed into the um, addiction that may end up in resulting or the reliance on it? Yeah, so um, I went and did a little bit of research on this and what came to light was that, you know, we know that most kinds of substances, uh, a substance use acutely disrupt sleep, our sleep systems in our brain and, um, affecting the time it takes to fall asleep basically. So, you know, when we use these, these, uh, aids or, you know, alcohol or cannabis, you know, it, it can prevent the onset of our deep sleep, um, and the quality of that sleep. So, you know, in college, there's a lot of, uh, norms that, you know, go out, get wasted. And then people are like, yeah, I passed out, had the best sleep of my life. But what's really happening is it's, it's actually not the best sleep of your life. Yes. You probably, or somebody may pass out. However, um, they're not entering that REM sleep or that deep sleep that we need to regenerate all of the wear and tear that our body took that day. Um, and so what that means is that people who use drugs also experience, you know, insomnia during their withdrawal. So if we're doing something like cocaine, you know, that's keeping people up for a lot of hours, a lot of hours, and then they'll crash. And again, when you're not going to sleep to repair your brain or your body, it is just, it is a recipe for disaster. Um, and it, there has been some studies that show are, are that people who aren't sleeping properly or get that amount of sleep that they need, 
they are becoming dependent on on a substance because they think that that substance is helping them sleep. Um, so they're taking more and more and more of it, and then the tolerance goes up. So it's very reactionary. There's there's like you know one domino effect, right? So yes, there are some studies that show that reliance can increase on a substance, you know, when people are using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think kind of going back to the piece of like, um, it definitely matters on what exactly that you're taking. So I know for um, you mentioned that cannabis and cocaine and, and alcohol, all these different things, um, because there's so because there's such different substances, you don't know how it's gonna you know affect your body on you know until it happens. So Speaking of that, um, for people that may take antidepressant or anti-anxiety medications, do they do you think that they also report those sleep issues as well because of the fact that it is a substance? Uh, yeah, so there has been a little bit of research on this as well. Um, and so people who are taking antidepressants or anti-anxiety uh, medication, there are some reports of sleep issues, uh, which, you know, is is tough because sleep is so important. And when we're not getting that sleep, it's really affecting our, our people, you know, individuals negatively. Um, but when they're awake and then they have that crippling anxiety or that depression, having these medications can really help. So it's really a very delicate dance with medical professionals and the prescribing professionals around sleep and taking those medications. Um, so again, bringing it all back to it's so important for sleep because it helps repair our brain and our bodies from the stressors of the day. Um, and this is this is such a hard question and such like a you know a tough yeah. kind of situation because the medication can be so important for people who have anxiety or depression, but also sleep is so yeah. so important too. So. Yes, we have seen that there is a little bit of, there can be sleep issues with some of the um, depressant or the anti-depression and anti-anxiety medication. And I think to um, to kind of uh, continue on that, how um, is that different or the same with painkillers? Like I know for a lot of folks, uh, Tylenol or Aleve, they do induce um, kind of that, that because, you know, it's trying to heal your body from whatever you know you have currently going on it it sometimes can induce like feeling tired or feeling sleepy but how does it exactly um affect sleep so different painkillers yeah so painkillers are also a you know a little tricky of a situation because obviously we don't want individuals to be in that pain right um and yes some of these can help with sleep but again a lot of the time not speaking of you know, Tylenol or Aleve or mm-hmm. Advil, but mm-hmm. um, those painkillers that are prescribed by doctors, mm-hmm. they can be very highly, highly addictive. And that's mm-hmm. very important to remember. So again, I just want to keep saying, you know, please, 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 if you're on any type of painkillers, you know, make sure you're constantly in touch with your doctor and the prescribing professional because painkillers can be dangerous in the fact that they are, they're, they're depressed, they're depressants or suppressants for our, our system that's going to like make our heartbeat and our breathing. Mm -hmm. And so painkillers can, are very dangerous when it comes to, uh, the amount that you take and when you take them or what you're mixing them with. Mm -hmm. So 
if you're over, you know, using your painkillers or, you know, swig it down with a glass of wine, it can be very, very dangerous in terms of, you know, waking up the next morning because it can, it can depress the system so much where your, your heart's just like, all right, we're chill. And then we'll just stop feeding. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously that's not talking about like Tylenol PN. Uh, but again, those are slightly addictive and it can lead you down a pathway of another type of addiction or another substance. Like I got to say, when I get sick, I love Alka-Seltzer night. Like I take that and I will go to bed and it is like a hard, hard sleep. And there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'm not sleeping very well. Maybe I should just take it. But that's showing an addictive behavior because, you know, you, you want that sleep. And again, remember that these painkillers or any type of substance, you know, you feel like you're getting this good sleep, but if you don't sleep through the, the timeline of the medication, you're going to feel like crap. So like that Alka-Seltzer night, if I don't sleep through that entire two tablet, you know, nine hours that it's releasing this stuff into my body, I wake up feeling so groggy. I like barely know who I am. I'm like, Oh my God, where am I? I'm like, Oh, your room, like you're fine. Um, but like you feel so crappy the next day. So there's so many things to take into consideration when we're talking about using a substance to aid in sleep. And a lot of the times when I'm talking with my students, you know, if they got a violation or anything, I use is okay. If you're responsible with it and you're of age and the biggest thing I ask is like, what's your behavior around your use and does that mean are you smoking to go to sleep because if you're smoking to go to sleep we need to talk about why you're having sleep issues and what that looks like because it's your our behaviors if you become dependent on a substance to go to sleep that's that's not naturally occurring that's not what the body was made to do so we need to figure out what's misfiring or what's happening in your environment to um inhibit this sleep yeah, I think uh, a piece that you mentioned, which is like one of those quotes that like kind of stuck with me, it's you said that it depends on what you take and how you take it, right? And I think because, um, you know, a lot of, of people, a lot of students may are like, they're kind of hesitant to go towards substances, some might lean more towards like alcohol, because they're, it, you know, for them in their eyes, it may seem a lot more lenient, like, you know, yeah, after a couple of hours, you know, those beers that I drink will go away, or that glass of wine, that feeling that I have will go away. So how, you know, kind of you mentioned, like, some people like to have a glass of wine for, before bed, because it helps them sleep. So how does alcohol um, affect sleep and and in what ways does the amount that you take matter so it's so with alcohol specifically alcohol may aid with sleep onset so because of the sedative properties so when you're drinking that glass of wine there's some properties within that wine or the alcohol that you know like chills us out brings it down you know takes Mm -hmm. away some of the stressors it feels like at least takes away some of those stressors it relaxes us it's it's suppressing our system um and it allows you to fall asleep quicker. It, it feels like we are falling asleep. However, people who drink before bed often experience disruption disruption later in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's where the issue lies. So yeah, they fall asleep and they think they're doing awesome, but then they're not entering their REM sleep. They might toss and turn. They may wake up a bunch of times, um, whether that's because it wore off or they had to get up and go to the bathroom, uh, you know, like, that's that's what they're experiencing is that they're quickly falling asleep which 
there's many individuals who have a hard time falling asleep. So that's why it helps them. But they're not getting the overall um, sleep, the deep sleep that we need to, to, to help our brains repair. And I just want to speak quickly on our all-nighters and our students who need to stay up all night. I'm looking at you students. Um, don't do that. Don't. Uh, I understand that, you know, there's not enough time in the day, it seems like. But when you're pulling those all-nighters, your brain isn't able to reset, repair, and make those memories. So you're not memorizing things as well. And that's a problem because you're usually staying up all night, cramming, doing something. And then that information is like fleeting. I've, I've done it and I would get to the test and I'm like, oh shit. Like, oh, oh no. Like what? I just studied this. Like it was two hours ago. Um, so I always recommend with our students, you know, if you're staying up and doing those all nighters, make sure you're still getting some sleep so that your brain can soak in the information and make those memories and that memorization happen. Uh, Cause that's, that's important. And I'll just speak quickly too. I don't want to take up all the time, um, but about using, you know, ADHD medication for, you know, staying up. Um, again, first and foremost, it's illegal to take a prescription that is not prescribed to you. Um, if you don't need this medication, it's, it's not going to help you in the way that you may need. So yes, ADHD medicine can really help you focus on things. But what's really important to understand is it doesn't like go in there and be like, okay, yeah, cool. We're going to focus on our schoolwork. It's going to focus on like the, the, the first thing that like pops up. So I've had a lot of students that are like, oh my God, I took it one time and I was literally on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or something for six hours. I don't even know what I did for six hours on that, but I focused on it. So yes, it can help you focus, but it's not like a magic pill that's saying, oh, we're going to focus on our class for this subject or this subject. Um, so it's always important to remember that first foremost, it's illegal to take a uh, medication that's not prescribed to you. But also if your body doesn't need it, it's not going to help you in the same way that it's helping somebody whose body does need it. Uh, may I just share? I'd like to, uh, you know, fall back on what Sarah was sharing about uh, the drinking before sleeping. And I have to share that could be a testament to um, the sleep disruption because I have, I have found that when I drink before I go to sleep, and I'm not saying like a bottle of wine, a whole entire bottle of myself, but you know, two glasses or two and a half more, that that's pretty much all I need. And uh, I fall asleep, you know, feeling that, oh, I'm rested and I'm just going to have the best sleep of uh, my life, right? Wrong. Because 3 a.m., I wake up to have to release the liquid that I put in, right? And the next day, I'm just uh, like a zombie because I because my sleep pattern was disrupted and yes, I thought I was sleeping. I thought, oh, I got two, three hours of great sleep. But in actuality, um, it disrupted my sleep cycle and I felt really bad the next day. So I've learned that I cannot drink before I go to sleep. It has to be uh, maybe a few hours before. But before I go to sleep, I have established a ritual 
And are we going to talk about um, rituals that we can have before we go to sleep? So then I'll hold on to that and then I'll share it uh, when we get to that section. Yeah, and I think it's actually really great that both of you guys talked about the waking up aspect in the middle of the night. And I do want to also note that um, one of the questions was, does good sleep hygiene prevent you from waking up during the middle of the night? And the answer is no. So practicing good sleep hygiene does not stop or resolve sleeping disorders or sleep apnea, reoccurring nightmares, or other sleep problems. Um, but it will improve abnormal sleep conditions and maybe help you get closer to what's best for your quality sleep routine, but it's not going to prevent you from ever having a bad night's sleep. And then our next question is, can an individual catch up on sleep? So I know that's a popular topic with college students because I know before I had the sleep journey routine where I would go to bed at a certain time, wake up at a certain time, I was just like my other peers and I had an econ test and I stayed up all night in the library to study for it and I passed thankfully but do I really re that test was a fever dream I don't remember what I was on the exam I'm so glad that I got through it and I knew after that 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 was not the best way to prepare for a test and it's one of those things where um doctor uh oh my bad physician's assistant uh, Linda discussed it's called a sleep debt or also sleep deficit and it's the difference between the amount of sleep someone needs and the amount uh, they're actually getting. So as I said for me I need somewhere yeah, like seven plus hours of sleep and that day I got zero hours of sleep so I was not a happy camper, I was totally out of it, super groggy, not ready to take on any of the tasks that I needed to do. And some of the activities that can cause this are, you know, preparing for homework overnight or exams overnight or projects, um, your working hours, your commuting, your socializing, even relaxing habits can cause you to miss um, your sleeping window or when you want to start to go to bed. And tips on recovering your sleep debt is to return or create a sleep hygiene schedule where your sleep is your priority. Uh, taking a nap can also help but it's best to do so in the early afternoon. You don't want to take a nap too late at night and, you know, probably give yourself a difficulty going back to sleep because you've just woken up. And then sleeping late during the weekend is usually the most common approach. Most people think, oh, if I lost X amount of sleep during the week, I can just make it up on Saturday. And that's also not the best practice because um, you can't really compensate for the sleep that you've already lost. The best way to catch up on sleep is, or catch up on sleep, is to create a time for sleep, or keeping a sleep diary, which helps you log the time you go to bed, the time you're falling asleep, the times that you wake up during the night, how long you're lying in bed, and areas like that, or give yourself more than just the weekend to recover. So finding a sleep cycle that's going to actually work for you might take anywhere from nine days, and if all of those suggestions don't kind of work for you, then you can seek medical care from a doctor to kind of get you on a sleep routine that will fit your body type. Yeah, I think in uh, in addition to those all-nighter stuff, definitely, even if it's not just for schoolwork, if you're if you think you can watch one more episode of whatever show you watch, which I know for me, I can definitely attest to that. There have been times where I've watched a full season overnight and I have not 
gone to sleep. So definitely, even if it's even if it's um, in, in addition, you know, a lot of people, especially college students, think that you know they may have to push through because it's schoolwork. But maybe they can just be like one more episode, it's fine. One more episode, and, and you know they keep that. Um, that's super detrimental because, like like Sarah was saying, you're not allowing your body to rest and repair everything. Um, and even kind of similar to your to your schoolwork, like if you watch that whole season and someone's like, hey, what happened in that episode? You're like. I don't remember. So definitely keeping that that consistency, like even if, if even if it's for things that you like to do, whether it's watching a show or reading a book, um, make sure that you can do that in the daytime and not have to do that at like 1 a.m. So with that, we'll we'll move on to healthy sleeping tips. So um, the question that that Linda uh, answered for us, where is there a healthy way to get back to sleep if you do wake up during the night? And one thing that she states is that waking up in the middle of the night is normal, um, about even up to 20 times per hour. When people observe different wake-ups for about two to three per night, if it's becoming a consistency, then it becomes a problem because that means that, you know, if you're waking up 10 times a night or even seven times a night in a row, then maybe think if there's some, you know, sleep uh, insufficiency there. Um, so the real trouble for many who notice it is the difficulty getting back to sleep. So what do you do? And I know for me personally, I've struggled with that. There are times where I'll wake up at one and I won't go back to sleep until like three or 4 a.m. And I'm just like, the sun is rising. So some tips to help you get back to sleep are definitely don't watch the clock, which is one thing that I tend to do. I'm just like, it's already 2.30 and I haven't um, got back to sleep. Get comfortable, you know, maybe grab a glass of water, start walking around. Um, uh, try to, uh, you know, relax your muscles. So definitely stretching, uh, kind of doing some like small kind of workouts that can also help too. Um, at maybe about after 20 minutes have, have gone by, try to do activities that relax you. One of the things that they don't recommend is reading in bed, which is one thing I like to do a lot. So definitely don't read in bed. Maybe you can try to watch one episode if that works. So definitely, you know, be easy on yourself, right? If you establish that routine, don't think that like right after 10, you cannot watch absolutely anything because then it makes your mind and body want to do it even more. That it's just like, yeah, I'm finally able to watch that one episode at like 11. So definitely, um, take it easy on yourself and then try to follow your normal schedule tomorrow. So following these tips um, and then one thing that we've also kind of prefaced, if it's gone for more and you've tried and things don't work, definitely seek that, that medical care as well. Um, and then one thing that we'll also talk about is dreams, right? So dreams are one of those things that are, are a huge symbol in, in how we sleep and it it goes, you know, there's a whole umbrella term for what dreams are. So one of the other questions that we ask um, Linda is the ability to, to remember your dreams indicative of a good or bad sleep. You know, you always have that like, I remember this weird dream I had, or even I remember a nightmare. Um, so is does that mean that you had a good sleep or does that mean that you have a bad sleep? So the question is, is hard to answer because it also depends on age, right? So if you're a young person, um, you may think of it once or twice, but maybe if as you get older you may tend to think about it more so it's kind of a, it's kind of a gray area so overall dream recalls are not related to good or bad quality of sleep so for example a college student can recall a nightmare which may be indicative of a just of a disturbed sleep because it you know it woke you up um, nightmare recall can also detect good sleep because maybe um, you were able to remember certain techniques so it really is kind of like a case-by-case -case basis 
Um, so with that, um, kind of going back a little bit on substances, um, Sarah, you mentioned um, cannabis and how it affects dreams as well. So how, how does that affect your sleep and then also dreaming? Um, so with cannabis, again, there's not a lot of research on it because I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, you know, like I woke up, I just smoked a little bit and I took a hit or two and then I went back to sleep. So what you're doing is you're basically starting over the cycle again of the, uh, the cycle again of that quick falling asleep and then waking up again. Um, as far as dreaming, I'm not really well versed on, you know, dreaming and that kind of thing. But what I did look up and find was that um, people who do smoke tend to have nightmares and strange dreams. They can be, it's reported, but again, that's not saying everybody, everybody is different. Um, but they, it, I think it's because of like the, the effect that cannabis can have on some people. Um, cannabis can increase paranoia with individuals. Some individuals, again, I will never talk in blanket terms. Um, everybody's use is different. So, but there are some individuals where their, their paranoia will increase during their use of cannabis. And that is what I'm assuming will, you know, increase their, their nightmares because your brain's just on that, that track in running. Um, but again, I, I sound like a broken record, but I don't want somebody to come back and be like, that's not true. Blah, you know? So again, there's very little research on this, um, especially because we're all moving towards, you know, legalization and decriminalization of, um, cannabis. So I think just hang in there a few more years and we'll get a lot more, uh, research on this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, going back to that, to that piece, like it all depends on how you use it. Right. Obviously if there's that consistency, um, you know, it may help you short term, but in the long run, it, that can lead to, to that addiction that you may need, um, care for. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, um, kind of going back to that, to that dreaming piece, um, Linda mentioned that dreaming occurs during that REM sleep, right. Which is like that time of the cycle where it's needed for our body to repair and to remember and to, to heal. Um, so it's it's the stage where breathing is rapid, blood pressure rises, the legs and arms become paralyzed, and our heart rate increases. Um, it's also the stage where um, eye movement is is rapid, which is kind of leads into the name. Uh, the most intense uh, dreams happen during these stages, but distinct ones can happen at all stages of during the sleep cycle. Um, dreams can be positive or negative, so the negative ones are nightmares, um, and overall affect normal healthy sleep. Uh, if one dreams, then that means that it's a healthy sleep because it leads to better memory because those are the things that your brain remembers after. Remembers like, hmm, what happened in that dream that I had? Um, so it leads to better memory, thinking, and emotional health. On the other hand of that, nightmares um, can also be healthy quality as long as it doesn't lead you to waking up. Because sometimes, you know, you're still able to remember those nightmares even if they don't wake you up. But unfortunately, the ones that you remember the most are the ones that lead you to wake up at that 1 a.m., midnight, 2 a.m. Um, so it, um, if they occur frequently, um, that could be, uh, it could lead to insomnia, it could lead to nightmare disorders. So um, definitely seek medical and mental health care if you're experiencing nightmares once a week, the ones that uh, kind of do wake you up. So in addition to that, um, this question is also for Elise and also Lynn. Uh, 
mentioned some information as well. Um, what are nightmares and night terrors and kind of how do they differ? Um, and are there specific triggers that can cause them or what are the certain factors that can kind of lead to one having a nightmare? Oh wait, you're muted. You're muted. Sorry. No worries. I actually um, did a little bit of research on this mm -hmm. and I'm going to um, share that information. Um, so regarding, um, well, well, we spoke about sleep and that sleep happens in several stages. And, um, you know, according to, again, sleep.org, uh, they stated that um, dreams, including nightmares, happen during um, the rapid eye movement stage, the REM stage, as you has, had um, mentioned. And night terrors happen during deep non-REM sleep. And a night terror is not technically a dream, but it's more like a, a sudden reaction of fear that happens during the transition from one sleep stage to another. Now, um, it's been, it's been um, researched that um, sleep terrors are actually uh, something that could also be uh, genetic. And a uh, majority of the time, I read that uh, sleep terrors and... Um, usually occur to individuals at a younger age so when you get older and you do have these sleep terrors uh you have to ask yourself did you ever experience these when you were younger and if you did what happened and how were they remedied and what is causing these sleep terrors is it a subliminal subconscious uh, reaction to um, in, in, in anxiety or stress that you're having in, in real time. And then once you determine that, then you could experiment and try to see how you can possibly uh, react to um, your environment when you are awake. And if the sleep terrors and if the nightmares do persist, then my advice would be to seek advice, to seek help, because this is not something that just happens overnight. Adults don't normally, ooh, all of a sudden get sleep terrors. It's something that has been developed, you know, since the individual was younger. So my advice would be to find out what the core of the issue is, what the core of the problem is, and um, deal with it. Now, can you have a bad dream? I mean, I've had bad dreams. I've dreamt about, you know, failing a test or uh, getting reprimanded from uh, from, from, from a, a job that I, I did wrong. You know, just like the worst case scenarios, because this is like what we think about, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? So I resolved these problems. I no longer have bad dreams because when I go to bed, I go to bed with intention. I go to bed happy. And what's helped me is my ritual, my sleep ritual, and uh, my yoga, my meditation, um, books that I read, and also the food that I eat. Uh, mm. No caffeine for me after 6 p.m. Mm. Um, so if I'm, I have that urge of, of, of having coffee, um, I have like a, a green tea. Um, I have two cups of coffee a day, one in the morning. It's my ritual, mm -hmm. and it's not like I really need it. I, I can go without coffee but i enjoy the ritual of drinking something warm in the morning so mm -hmm. sometimes i have coffee sometimes i can even have a, a green tea 
but it's that ritual in the morning. And I enjoy the smell of fresh brewed coffee. I enjoy that smell. I enjoy the smell of fresh baked breads. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to go eat like 20 loaves of, you know, breads, right? But it's the things that we enjoy that sometimes, you know, we have to relish in. And that has also helped me with improving my sleep. Um, and I actually really like your, t- your piece on the rituals because that is something that's really important to, you know, getting to sleep and kind of being mindful of like what you are doing before getting to bed. And that can really put you in a good step to getting closer to what you want your sleep quality to be like. Um, so with that, it's kind of all the time we have for today's session, but we're going to finish up with some closing questions for the panel. So you guys can feel free to unmute yourselves when you respond. Um, The first question I'm going to direct to Yanni. Um, Describe the quality of your sleep. Um, (laughs) Just like any college student, I go through um, insomnia quite often. My sleep schedule is definitely not the best, but it has definitely improved. I would say for the most part, Compared to like my high school years, I was actually a lot more busy. I had a lot of my plate then. Um, half of my classes were all filled with like AP classes, and there was like a lot of active school activities that constantly like kept me up, and just responsibilities and just having things on my plate. Um, it was just something that was not like there were a lot of tasks involved that couldn't be typically like finished in one day. So I would always have that concern of like. How much can I complete? How much of those tasks can I complete within today? And how much of that would lead into the tasks for tomorrow? And just that kind of constant stress um, and just worrying definitely kept me up. I would say my sleep habit then was pretty bad. I would run on like three hours of sleep for the past three years. So I would say that that bad um, time management and sleep schedule had definitely taken a toll to like my later years, especially when I'm experiencing college, I feel like I'm a lot, I'm a lot easier, like easily tired throughout the day because I'm trying to catch up on all those um, amount of sleep that I had missed um, back when I was in high school <laughs> and it's just leading up to college. But for me now that like we're in quarantine, there's a lot more free time available. I really kind of take more into consideration of like how I can take care of myself a lot better and focus on taking care of myself because there's so much work throughout the day that sometimes you can just never it just you can just never take um the whole day feel like finish all the work it's just gonna be there and it's just gonna pile up it's just a matter of you know prioritizing yourself and for me um I don't know what works for me is having a glass of um milk for those that are that don't want to like rely on um, like substances or um like uh alcoholic beverages for me milk works best just heating it up in a microwave for like 30 seconds just warm it up your body make sure that my body's comfortable even doing something like um skin prepping uh also helps a lot so like probably like 30 minutes before i do sleep i brush my teeth a little bit I, sorry, I brush my teeth and then I would get into the habit of kind of like 
doing a little bit of facial routine and using like those gua sha or mask, facial mask, and just kind of like um, smooth out exactly and just smooth out um, your face. It's good for you know for your appearance, right? And you want to take care of your appearances and also to um, relax the muscles on your face because you're constantly like now that we're always in Zoom meetings, you always have to like keep. Um, Keep a smile on your face and that could get tiring. You want to relax these muscles and also like the tension that you have, you might have throughout your body. So, yeah. That's exactly why I have it so close to me. I woke up this morning with a headache, so I was just rolling out some tension. No product placement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was really great. That's definitely um, one of the tips that I would even recommend myself. Um, Not a big milk drinker, but for me, that having something warm to drink always helps. So I usually have maybe decaffeinated Earl Grey or something like that, just to get myself ready to go to sleep. Um, And yeah, the skincare routine is kind of like what really tips my brain off. Like, okay, now it's time to go to bed. (laughs) Um, so our next question, and this is for anyone in the panel, is what do you wish you could improve about your sleep hygiene? Oh, I know. Um, so I am so bad at watching shows before bed, like so bad. I have to. I'm one of those people where if I don't have a show before bed, I'm not sleeping that night. And I hate that about myself because I don't want to rely on something I I don't care that I'm watching a show necessarily it's just that I'm relying on it to put me to sleep um which is also why I don't you know drink before bed or do like I have a substance because I don't want to rely on it um so it's the office before bed and I've been trying so hard during quarantine to break this habit but I just cannot I cannot do it I've I've been trying like for weeks. You have to pick another show that's not as good. So maybe. <laughs> I mean, I've watched it through like seventeen times. You would think that I would be over it, but um, but here's the thing: it doesn't keep me up. Like I just don't like that I'm relying on it. I will fall asleep in three seconds if I have something on. I mean, unless like I have some major brain, you know, activity, but. I don't know. It's just, I don't love that I have to have a show because like, let's think of if you go to like, if you, when we were traveling, there's not necessarily a TV on hand and like, I don't have unlimited data. So like I need, I want to be able to just fall asleep when I need to or an airplane. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm frustrated with myself that I have to watch a show before bed. Honestly, though, like the same thing for me. Coincidentally, it is also the office too. But um, I, so <laughs> uh, but I think it's it's. I think yeah, for me, it's one of those things. It's either that or just like anime, um, where like I'll just be watching a couple episodes and I'm just like off of it. And it it's so yeah. I think speaking to that piece where like I'm starting to notice that I'm relying on it more. Um, and I'm just like, I don't want to have to end up, you know, like a couple months down the road where it's just like, if I don't have it on, I just, I can't even sleep at all. So like right now I'm like at the beginning of the stages where it's like, I'll start to get drowsy maybe like after a couple or two episodes that have my attention, but I don't want to end it up being that like, I even have to have my, I like, I have to have it on. Um, because mm-hmm. it's like, I, yeah, it's one of those things where like you, you don't want to end up depending on it that like, you know, it causes a problem. Um, but yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned The Office because it's also mine. Like, I also just, I'm scared of Netflix just being like, are you still watching? And I'm just knocked out <laughs> on the bed. <laughs> so that's also one of my fears. 
I'm going to chime in for this too. Um, absolutely. One thing I'm really guilty of is checking on my social medias a lot before I go to sleep, which yeah. is it's pretty bad because I have all the lights off. Mm-hmm. And except for my night light, and it's just not enough like light, you know, for it's bad for your eyes, and you need to really take care of that since we're always like facing on screen. <laughs> we're on the computer every single day, and then plus that additional thirty minutes or maybe an hour, however much. Sometimes you get lost, you lose track of time when you're on social media, mm-hmm. and just doing that before sleep really triggers a lot. Can sometimes trigger a lot of um, brain activity, and ends up making when I was trying to maybe like check social media for maybe like 10 minutes before I go to sleep ends up being an hour or 30 minutes or like an hour and 30 before and lose that tiredness completely. So one thing that I end up doing is besides checking like what's new on social media is also the video recommendations, things like TikTok and (laughs) which are really trendy these days and also mukbang videos, which you watch people eat because I constantly have that like late 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. Um, my cravings and I would watch the food that people eat and then start to get hungry and want to recreate the same food and then ended up making a whole meal that will um, keep me up for the entire day and like I would have ramen in like 2 in the morning and the next day I would feel completely miserable just because I feel so bloated all that mm-hmm that I've been like I've ingested just hasn't like digested properly and the next morning I would be absolutely terrible <laughs> no I completely agree um do you want to speak first Alex? yeah I just it's just something came into my head I want to circle back to what Gabby said before how reading is not mm-hmm. good in, be- yeah. in, in bed yeah. well then I guess I really have to work on that for my sleep hygiene because um you know, um, I don't want to plug uh, any show in, but um, HBO is uh, having uh, Tennessee Coast's Between the World and Me. The show is going to be on premiering this Sunday. So I started rereading the book so I could be prepared to, um, you know, to see it, to see how they adapt the, the, the novel into the screen. And so I, I read a lot in bed. And um, I guess that I have to like work on that because I didn't know. It's yeah. so fun to read in bed. Why is it, why would that be a bad thing? Yeah, I, I think kind of like the research that, that we did was it's because it stimulates your brain. So it's stimulating oh. your brain to interpret the content and the story. Because me too, like I also like to read before bed. I also like to write a lot before bed because um, I can get my thoughts out. Because I'm also a night owl like you that I tend to get creative around like 1 to 2 a.m. Um, but yeah, so the reason why it's because it stimulates your brain and it's not letting your brain kind of wind down and kind of enter the process of sleep yeah that is going to be very hard for me and I will (laughs) report back to you all and I'll let you know how it's going that is going to be really hard not to read in bed before I go to before I go to sleep um that is going to be my challenge and I will let you know and I just but just thinking about it is getting me depressed so like 
Um, then maybe you should read. Don't. don't yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Work definitely work with. Uh -huh. I read read before I go to sleep. Oh my god. <laughs> so, then you're just gonna be anxious about not being able to read, and then it's just gonna be a bad cycle. Yeah. Reading for me knocks me out. I cannot finish a book for the life of me. My partner has has nicely asked me to read all of the Harry Potters because I have not. I know, as a 31-year-old woman, I have not read all the Harry Potters. And uh, so uh, they were like, you need you need to do this if you want this to survive. And I was like, okay. So I'm on the third <laughs> book, and I just will, I knock out after like four pages. And I'm like, oh my God, is it the book? Is it me? I don't know. So I'm trying to work on that, getting a book done. No, I absolutely agree, because... For me, I think my issue, and I, I had to draw the line with reading at night, because what happens is, like, I get so pent up and, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen on the next book? What, what's going to happen in the next chapter? And then I'm there, like, okay, I have to read the whole book. So no more reading for me before bed. But I do want to mention what um, you were saying, Sarah, is what works for me, because in high school, that used to kind of be my thing. I used to watch TV before bed, and what happens is I forget to turn the TV off until, like, one o'clock in the morning, George Lopez is like freaking blaring around in my room, and I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> so, what like, how I kind of weaned it down was I would do like I would put just audio on so I can hear the show, but I'm um, obviously not getting any of the light. And then I would schedule like it to shut off at a certain time, and then yeah, gradually, mm -hmm. gradually over a couple of like years, now I can sleep without anything on, and I'm like, okay, I don't feel like oh mm. my life. What do I need to do? Yeah. Yeah, I think the same for me, like with um Yam how uh, Yami, how you mentioned about the phone, right? So I know for me, I, I also do scroll kind of late at night. I scroll till like midnight or one AM. But I tend to put on like I know there's like a yellow light feature that supposedly it makes it easier on your eyes, even though the whole point is to be off your phone. But for some folks that are maybe like if you want to get into the the process of kind of weaning down not to use your phone, um, definitely turn on I believe Apple does it. I'm not sure entirely about Androids, but um Apple has a feature where if you lower the brightness, you can turn on, like, they also call it, like, the night light, which uh, brings out yellow light, which is easier um, for your eyes as well. So I also use that. Yeah. Okay, and we're going to do one last question. Um, what is everyone's wind-down routine? I know we kind of touched on it, but, like, what's your go-to, this is sleep. my bedtime routine? Yeah, like those, those sleep rituals. Well, I'll just go ahead and I... It starts at like either 8.30 or 9 and I have to take my dog out. So I have noticed that that's actually part of my routine. And, you know, now that it's getting colder, it sucks. But it actually does help me. Like, it makes me get up, walk, like, help with dinner digestion. It kind of gets the blood, you know, flowing. And then um, after I'm done with that, I just, I brush my teeth. And then I get into bed. I will now try to read for at least 30 minutes, get a few chapters knocked out. Um, and then I stop that. I will scroll for just a little bit, except if I, the TikToks about the, about the politics and the election have been just amazing. And I have definitely gotten into a hole. Um, so I'm trying to reel that back in, but I'll usually just scroll for maybe like 30 minutes. That gets me to be around like 10. And then I, either put on a show or if I am that tired I sometimes can fall asleep right right then and there so that is my routine 
And then like a alarm clock, I don't need one. My dog will be up at seven for me to get up and take her outside. So that's the routine. For me, I like to take um, showers at night. So of course, because you need time for your hair to dry and I don't like blow drying my hair. So usually I would, um, after dinner, I would sit for a while, a little bit, talk with my family and get to catch up with them because they've been at work all day and they really haven't gotten the chance to really communicate with them. So that dinner time would extend for like an hour or two sometimes just to for time for us to my mom and I to catch up on like life in general or just anything about like the news recently. And once that food gets digested, <laughs> then I would head to the shower and just take a nice like 10 to 15 minute shower. Um, like massaging again, like with a lot with like muscle tension, massaging your head a little bit when you're like in the shower. And I just really like having um, warm water or like hot water um, on me because it just feels so comforting. Almost feels like I'm at a spa, <laughs> just without an extra person like helping me with all like the muscle tension and relaxing. But um, like as once I get out of the shower, when my hair is drying, that's when I start the process of maybe like brushing my, um, just brushing my hair out and then like um, doing that um, oral hygiene and brushing my teeth, doing that um, skincare routine all in one package. And towards night, maybe I would um, pop on like a call for um, 10 minutes or 20 minutes just to say hello to my friends and say good night to them. Um, and then wind down more with, I would say, I would lit up um, like, I have a humidifier that you can put in um, a room, those diffuser scents. So I would have that on and just do like drink a glass of um, uh, just hot water sometimes and um, just kind of close my eyes, relax my eyes a little bit again with more massaging around the face and just wait for myself and then slowly close my eyes. Or if I can't sleep for another 10 minutes, I wouldn't touch any like electronics just to help my brain set into the zone and calm myself to like thinking okay now it's time to sleep i just need maybe a couple more minutes and then slowly shut my eyes and shut everything off one by one slowly yeah i would i would say for me um like i also use aromatherapy too like i use a lot of like lavender or um like there are certain scents that are meant for like reinvigorating or kind of winding down so i also use that as well um i also use like for me i like to kind of listen um so I, it was more of like an experiment i do like to listen to like nature sounds or like certain um music to kind of help me wind down um so it was an experiment because i started with headphones but the thing is is that if you knock out your headphones are still stuck in your ears so it's like uncomfortable especially because I would use airpods so I would fall asleep and I would wake up and there'll be nothing in my ears and I'm like wait where are my airpods and they'd be like kind of underneath the pillow or like under the sheets or something or on the floor even so I was like okay we'll strike out that option um but then there's um I have a google speaker which is like the really tiny one and um there's an option for sleep and what 
they do is that they'll start playing music or start playing sounds and then it'll, you know, kind of like similar to like the sleep timer, um, it'll kind of start kind of getting less and less and then it'll just shut off completely. So I've started to use that. Um, that's been really helpful. Um, I realize it also helps me with my dreams because sometimes like if I'm listening to like rain sounds or like sounds at the beach, I'll have dreams where I'm like at the beach and I'm like, this is weird. Where did this come from? So um, that's super interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I would say for me, um, I do have, I do like to read at night, like I said, so I'm trying to kind of lean away from it. I'll kind of um, have a couple of chapters in. Um, and then Kat knows this, we do get on a call with our friends, kind of watch a couple of uh, anime episodes or like TV show episodes together. So after we kind of do that. Um, I've noticed that if we don't have one of those calls, I'm kind of just like, well, what do I do until I go to bed? So um, kind of similar to Sarah with your dog, like those things have now kind of become part of my routine that like after that, now I know like, okay, it's time to time to go to bed. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's about the same thing. Uh, I'm more of a night shower. So like right before bed, take that shower, nice warm shower. Um, I always try to eat early because I don't like to eat before I go to sleep because then I find that I just, I wake up feeling bloated. Um, I do the washing my face, I brush my teeth. Um, if I were, as Gabby referred, we do a little Zoom night and stuff, movie night, so we'll watch shows together. And then really that's the last thing I do for the day. If I feel like I'm still awake, maybe I'll read a few chapters or something. But usually right after that Zoom call, I am out like a light. <laughs> I think that uh, I see this uh, similarity with the showers because I also uh, shower before I go to sleep and that sets my mind, you know, to sleep flow because it's like almost symbolic that I'm like washing, you know, the day away, the stress away, you know, the dirt away. And then I have a routine of, you know, doing my lotions, my aromatherapy. I don't wash my hair. Um, that is a different type of ritual. That's like hair wash nights. So I wash my hair uh, once a week, depending. I like once, yeah, usually once a week. And so um, for hair wash night, that's a different ritual because then I have like my oils and I massage and the conditioner, the mask, and I'm not going to get into the whole sequence of what I do for the hair routine. But it's also in the evening because I do not like to uh, wash my hair in the morning and then feel the stress of having to dry the hair because it takes me like 50 minutes just to dry my hair. And if I do it in the morning, I feel like I'm going to rush. So uh, I like to do it in the evening and feel relaxed. And then once I, you know, I'm showered, then I get into bed and I... Uh, don't do the movies. I don't do that anymore. I don't do the shows. I stopped. I was getting addicted to it, so I put a stop to it. And that's when I started doing the reading, which now I realize they cannot have any type of brain stimulation before you go to sleep. So I guess now I'm just going to lay and just look up on my ceiling. Maybe, um, I don't know, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do. But these are good things to think about because, you know, habits habits you have to be aware of the habits you have because once you know what they are then we can de deconstruct them and take steps to break them so we just kind of have to like just lay there and I guess maybe I can take on the practice of maybe meditating before I go to sleep instead of reading instead of watching Netflix meditation 
So, um, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, yoga poses that they say can help you fall asleep a bit quicker, so maybe you can look into that. Um, but I want to say last before, well, not last but not least, there you go. <laughs> last but not least, <laughs> uh, we are currently transitioning our programs or working to transition all our programs to virtual ones. And Elise, do you feel comfortable with telling the audience about our upcoming programs? Absolutely. So on November 25th, we have our um, diabetes awareness program, sugar, uh, diabetes don't sugarcoat it, and our pause, uh, Zariana and Shermin, as well as myself, and as well as a, a diabetes educator, will be hosting a program, and we have a, a really interesting uh, lineup. And we have an interactive activity as well. And please do look for it. We're going to be sending out the material. Please check our um, Instagram um, to uh, find any updates. We also have our first virtual student health and wellness festival coming up on December 8th. We're going to have uh, great uh, participants, great vendors, and a lot of information, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And they'll look out for that. And um, yeah, and our you know, and our program, the next session of Bring on the Virtual Balance is going to be coming up soon as well. And just uh, look out for our newsletter. Oh wait, Cat, you're muted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Technology doesn't get any easier. <laughs> Uh, the next episode of Bring the Virtual Balance will be a live episode, and it will be very interactive, so I hope you guys all join in on the fun. Um, with that, thank you very much to our panelists, and I hope you guys have a happy Friday and a great weekend. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to Bring the Virtual Balance, a podcast by the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. Follow us on Instagram at Baruch Pause, and we'll see you next time.